Um, good morning. Um, I'm going to go ahead and open us in a prayer, and then David may pray for us in a moment as well. So let us pray, gracious and most heavenly Father, for this day um, as we prepare for the coming of of, uh, of you in Christ, both uh, as a child but also in your final coming. We give you great and humble thanks. And now, Lord, as ever, we pray that your word would be opened to us and that that word, living and active, would divide and reveal that which you would have us know. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to sort of call us to order and say thank you for coming. Um, looking around the room, several were here last week, several I know weren't. Um, it's the second of two parts. Uh, the man on my left, your right, David Tanner, I think is not a stranger to probably anybody in the room, or to many of us, a, uh, a, a, a good friend um, who has an interesting story. In the past 24 months, I may not be aware uh, of how David has spent his time. Uh, all of the paintings around, or paintings that he's done, all these are from the New Testament. The handout that you have is one that he prepared with several of the scriptures that inspired him. I got word of David's avocation, um, I don't know, some probably nine months ago or something like that, maybe a year after a talk that I gave uh, at a men's lunch, and then he sent me a couple of days later a, uh, a PDF of a, of a painting, which I was taken by, and I assumed it was it was by some modern artist who I never heard of, because uh, it had this really great title. What was it? What's the title? I'm full of skepticism. See, that's why I didn't know what it was. Um, I'm speaking Greek. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love Latin, by the way. It's just what I do so much. Um, uh, and then I found out it was him, and I was just drawn in immediately. It's like, wow, what's that story? And so over the months that followed, he and I would talk about that. And I said, well, let's do a class. Let's do a class here at the beginning of Advent, thinking it would have more of an Advent class. It's grown from that. Uh, I'm going to pitch him the ball because we're just going to uh, – the intent, I think, is to uh, – uh, to absorb some of what David has done, not for David's sake, certainly, uh, but to really as a witness to what the Lord has done. Um, uh, how always chasing the question of identity, who am I? Uh, how that answer is being given in the proper tense of the word, that answer is being given to David as he's being given to uh, to to do this art. One more thing, I guess, that comes to my mind. He told the story last week, and maybe you'll tell it again today. It's very, um, I'm intentionally trying to set him up here. It's very Augustine. St. Augustine, the fourth century uh, church father, was interrupted by the Holy Spirit where uh, he was told famously, there's some Latin here, by the way, um, tole lege, take up and read. And he was told to take up and read the book of Romans, in fact, and it was an instrument of his conversion. Well, David had that same nudge by the same spirit, by the way, who who, who, uh, who called um, Augustine, who knocked the Apostle Paul off of his horse, um, who was present at the, uh, the creation of the world, which we looked at last week, and David was given the word, take up and paint. I don't know what that would be in Latin, unfortunately. If Cameron Cole were here, I'd ask him, he would know. Um, Identity, who am I? That answer is being given to David, and, and hopefully it will spill over and, and be formed in each one of us. So I'm going to play Donahue the rest of the time and give this to David, and I'll just kind of pop in some questions. Thank you, Gail. Uh, I'm going to open with this colic, which I read last week, that uh, I guess Paul Zoll introduced me to in his Sunday school and Bible study classes that he always opened with. Blessed Lord, 
who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that, I guess, sent me on a, a journey as I, I came to faith maybe 10 or 11 years ago. Uh, and I just uh, took encouragement by this to, to go start reading Scripture more, reading theology more, reading about all these people Paul Zoll would mention in his classes. And uh, that started getting me in the, I guess, rhythm of Scripture uh, Briefly, how this came to be, I was had walked through the bookstore for about a year, noticing the Bonhoeffer book on uh, by Eric Metaxas, who I'd heard speak and was drawn to. But it's you know about 600 pages, so it took me about a year of walking past it to finally last uh, Lent before last. I decided to give up procrastination for Lent, and I'd read this book during the 40 days of Lent, and I read it in three days and was left with what will I do for Lent and I had been praying for a a good long while uh, for the Lord to use me daily to uh, in any way that uh, I might be encouraged to be a witness for him and and Bonhoeffer's book was uh, or at least the message I received from it was uh, seeking God's will discerning God's will for your life and uh he submitted to God's will even unto death and uh, I guess last week's class and as I say I in praying for Lent give me something to do this Lent Lord and as Gil said I don't never thought I'd be compared in the same sentence with Augustine but I was given a word to go paint and I hadn't painted since college 37 years but I went immediately out and found some canvas that Emily had stuffed in her closet and cut it into three pieces and started with bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, which was last week's class, more or less the Old Testament. But uh, And last week was more, a lot of the paintings was seeing and taking. Eve saw the apple and took. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket and took Moses. Uh, David saw Bathsheba and he took Bathsheba. This week, as we're getting into Advent and hearing the sermon, uh, would be more of a submitting and giving up, uh, which is what I guess I was hoping to do would in my flesh to give up and and serve the Lord in some capacity. In a you know, and, I, and last week was more of an encouragement, I guess, in a worldly fleshly sense to to the things we've procrastinated doing, whether it's picking up the violin that you put down 15 years ago or or starting to prepare for the marathon or or starting to paint to to listen to the Lord and and be encouraged that uh, it's not too late to do anything but in this class I I, I guess in more of a spiritual way would be to uh, to uh, serve the Lord in a witness to him and so uh, I guess um, do you have that Bonhoeffer quote in front of you, or that we might just uh, hear those words and then I'll get back to it? Okay. Well, since 
Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the, the 20th century um, German pastor who was killed, um, uh, hung before uh, a few days before one of the concentration camps were liberated. Uh, as, this, as, as, as he in particular was a part of David's sort of awakening to this with the, the biography of Bonhoeffer, it sprung to my mind a, a, uh, a poem which Bonhoeffer wrote in prison, I've mentioned this several times, um, called Who Am I? Around the identity question, if there's one to, to, uh, to leave with us, the Holy Spirit um, doing the work that the Holy Spirit does, and that's clarify, you know, that's the, one of the primary questions, who am I? Um, a sinner with great need and a recipient of the even greater mercy and grace of God. And so here's how Bonhoeffer put the collision of those two realities. Um, I am a very great sinner, but God is an even greater Savior. Um, so who am I? Who am I? They often tell me. I step from my cell's confinement, calmly, cheerfully, firmly, like a squire from his country house. Who am I? They often tell me I used to speak to my warders freely and friendly and clearly, as though it were mine to command. Who am I? They also tell me I bore the days of misfortune equably, smilingly, proudly, like one accustomed to win. Am I then really all that which other men tell of? Or am I only what I myself know of myself, restless and longing and sick, like a bird in a cage, struggling for breath, as though hands were compressing my throat, yearning for colors, for flowers, for the voices of birds, thirsting for words of kindness, for neighborliness, tossing in expectation of great events, powerlessly trembling for friends at infinite distance, Weary and empty at praying, at thinking, at making faint, and ready to say farewell to it all? Who am I, this or the other? Am I one person today and tomorrow another? Am I both at once, a hypocrite before others and before myself, a contemptibly woebegone weakling? Or is something within me like a beaten army, fleeing in disorder from victory already achieved? Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest, O God, I am thine. Thank you, Gil. Um, and that's, I think, a question we all grapple with. I, I was listening to Mark Genelet's class from last week online, and, and at one point he just stopped and says, I can't wait until I go to heaven and find out who I am. And I think we all kind of have a yearning that uh, I wish I could be who God created us me to be. And we all uh, pray in, in faith, believe that we will encounter who we really are. But uh, Tom Hinton, would you read the first verse there from Annunciation? Well, someone with, that can read, unaccompanied. Yeah. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Well, this is the Annunciation <laughs> to Mary, and this uh, this is the ad beginning of Advent for me, and uh, that's the angel Gabriel uh, coming to Mary and uh, announcing that she will bear the Son of God. Um, and any time anyone wants to interrupt or 
stop me and say, what about this, or, or any kind of question, please feel free, but I'm going to try and uh, get more scripture in than I got last week. Um, but that's, you know, a lot of people were telling me to paint angels, and I just, uh, again, a lot of these come to me either through a Bible study or my own study or a sermon, and, uh, but I probably half of these probably took place in uh, December of last year as Advent was coming, and, and hearing it, what we heard today, I, I was struck by several of these were mentioned in the either in the music or the uh, reading of scripture. Uh, the second one, Luke 2, and Joseph also went up to up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. I'm supposed to keep this. Uh, can anyone guess which that one is? <laughs> anyway, this is uh, Mary and Joseph on their way to Bethlehem. I was lucky to go to Israel last summer, and uh, that would have been an extremely tough journey if you were 25 years old and hiking uh, on Joe's, one of Joe's hiking trips. It's a rough terrain, very mountainous terrain, even though they probably followed the valley from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the most part. But it, it's, a, it's a brutal country. The terrain is up and down and rocky. And, uh, and again, the idea of Mary submitting to God's word, Joseph, who was betrothed, but in this dilemma of <laughs> this young a uh, girl who he loved is now pregnant and with child, and but he submits to God's word and and to the decree of of even the um, the world to go to Bethlehem and be in a census. So that's uh, Mary and Joseph on the way to Bethlehem. Uh, who wants to read Adoration? Uh, Rita, would you? Sure. Well, this is the adoration of the Magi, and uh, I guess the Magi have always been, uh, I guess you'd say, portrayed as kings from Iran and Iraq. Uh, I always thought of them as kind of aliens coming into the Jewish world. They would have been very recognizable, but to me, that they were very mysterious, uh, but this is the light of to me, the, the star was the Holy Spirit. That's my take on it, and that's the Holy Spirit is the star shining upon uh, guiding their way, guiding our ways in life. Uh, and again, they submitted to the call of the Holy Spirit and uh, again went on a very long journey um, to see the uh, new king, child, child king. And uh, so that's... Uh, I guess you'd say the uh, uh, my take on that scene. Uh, just to interrupt and also to <clears throat> create permission for people to ask questions. The facelessness. I mean, well, I uh, 
part of it, uh, as I expressed last week, I'm learning how to paint. And But at the same time, I remember when I was a kid growing up, they always had Jesus facing away and never showed his face. And I guess I'm of the mindset that, um, and last week, the transfiguration, you know, how did they know who Moses and, and Elijah was? I don't, I don't know what they look like. And in a sense, the faces to me aren't important. It's the... Um, it's the the spiritual connection that I have, and so to put a face on them is almost uh, my sinfulness corrupting. I, uh, uh, but at the same time, I'm uh, I guess you'd say doing the best I can to uh, bring forth the image that captures it for me, and hopefully, in some way, uh, speaks to y'all. For this one. Overly intuitive here, but Mary stands. Her face stands in stark contrast to the rest for, for two things. I mean, one, it's indented. I mean, it almost looks like an impression, which of course, and then the, and there's no shadow. It's the reflected light of Christ. I don't know if you intended that, where the impression of the Christ child is actually sort of physically pressing her in with no darkness. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you mean. Well, as I said last week, hopefully, because they are, for the most, somewhat abstract, that they are roar sharks for you to enter into, just as we all enter Scripture and we draw. First time we read it, we draw something. Second time we read it, it might be something totally different. And as I, you know, uh, sit with these paintings around me. Uh, it takes me where the spirit will, I guess you'd say. And so I'm encouraged by anybody, quote, seeing something I might not have intended or that, that I don't even see. And uh, and so I think that's, uh, um, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you're engaging them. Yes. I, I, to David, or to both of y'all's points, I think what's interesting about the three magi is the visual representation of the face within the light, then less of a face as you move away from the light, and even less of a face as you go to the last magi. To speak to Bonhoeffer's point of who am I, that the closer you get to the light, the more you realize who you are. Now we're cooking. <laughs> I set him up. <laughs> well, really, you know, to follow up with that, um, I was thinking, especially when you're talking about Joseph, that Joseph was conflicted that he didn't know who he was either. And so, in a sense, we may have a better sense of who all of these people are than they did. In the same way that looking back later, perhaps people could have a better sense of who we are, you know, than we do during our lifetime. So. And next is mother and child. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And it, I, I just had to put my Madonna and child under the uh, oh, yeah. 17th century Madonna and child there. But... Uh, that's my take. This next one, uh, 
baptism of John the Baptist over here. Um, would someone read that? John 1 33. Don't be shy. Can we read that? Go ahead. Baptism by John the Baptist, John 133. I myself did not know him. But he, he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Again, uh, John the Baptist uh, is submitting to God's will that he must become less, that Jesus might become more. I think that that's hard for all of us to do. We want to be the top dog or the big man on campus but uh, again, very abstract, but the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus at his baptism. Um, and uh, can't see there's the, great the, the in that submission. Well, and, and uh, there's, I guess, um, what you see is what you get. <laughs> Uh, this next one my wife makes me put behind the door, the head of John the Baptist on a platter, uh, Matthew 14:10. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Um, Pete's here. Pete gave me a book on my 50th birthday uh, on Caravaggio, and this is somewhat a take on... Uh, that a painting by Caravaggio but at that point in time I was reading a lot of art history books you know trying to start learning how to really paint I guess you'd say and I painted a canvas all black because a lot of them were you know the black with the light shining on the image and it after about four or five days black just does not dry out and so I got a Kleenex and started wiping away and when I had just painted this black I'd basically cleaned my palette all different colors and then kept adding more black so all of this painting except this drop of blood and this little bit is eraser I just kept wiping away paint the black there just happened to be some red under paint that I guess you'd say uncovered but all of this is just with Kleenexes after Kleenex is just wiping away the black and uh, you know it's magic in a sense and that's a, that's a wonderful thing that uh, a lot of these paintings are kind of Rorschachs where I just uh, just start painting and something develops. Sometimes I have an idea from, a, as I say, a Bible study or a scripture that I've read or a sermon. But that was just kind of a gift in a way to me that uh, I didn't do anything really except kind of erase. But just the, the, when the red started coming at his lips and... Uh, it just it, it kind of blew my mind. This is just cool. Revelation. I mean that it was if it was if it was there. The way you're describing it, of course, if it was there for me, I would use Kleenex and it would just look like Kleenex smears. I mean, but you just brought out what was there. Yeah, I mean the the white highlights. I just scraped scraped with my fingernail, yeah. just scraped back to the canvas, and yeah, that's uh, phenomenal. Um, any rate. Um, well, and that one is so much more detailed thing. Well, again, I'm, I'm you know, starting to paint and, and, and thinking, well, i got to learn how to paint. So I, you know, went to some art, you know, Pete's book. Several paintings I did were more or less copies of Caravaggio, but just trying to uh, 
you know, learn how to paint. Um, I guess this next one is behind everything. This blue one back here. Just, just let hope. Just let them fall on each other, and then. Uh, for some reason, most people that have come to my house, this is their favorite. I don't know if it's the color or the scripture or the scene, but uh, I'd say probably nine out of ten people go, "Oh, that's my favorite." Uh, Can I see John the Baptist right before this? Right. That's. <laughs> uh, I like that one. <laughs> uh, Debbie, uh, would you read uh, "Save Me"? Well, this is as Jesus is walking on water and, and Peter bids him to you know, come out and walk and, and, and the Lord says, come, and he walks until the wind and the storm distract him and he sinks. And I think, uh, as I spoke last week, we uh, go to Bible study or hear a good sermon and we're, we're lifted up and we're high on Jesus and uh, no sooner we get in the car with the kids screaming or we walk across the street to our office and we, we the, the world distracts us and we go to uh, lashing out or uh, not getting our way and, uh, and the world sinks us I guess you'd say and we, we fall quickly away from the Lord but the Lord is always uh, there to uh, pull us right back up out of the water and uh, I don't know why I painted them in these kind of ghostly spiritual figures, but uh, um, that's just, uh, again, because I can't paint <laughs> little guys in a boat very well. <laughs> so you're standing there and you say, well, i got to paint them now, and so you have white. And that's yeah, I, and so, uh, yeah, a lot of, I guess you'd say a lot of it's just lazy. I don't have an organized palette. I just grab paint, and, and so yeah, I had white, and I just kept going with white. It was simpler than um, stopping and thinking is, at least for me, not good. And so I just want to carry on, and and it's hard for me, as I said, most of these take two, maybe four or five hours, but most of it's done in the first two hours, and it's hard for me to go back. I guess you'd say and capture the moment or the feeling or. Uh, and it's, it's by no means drudgery to finish them, but a lot of them, it's done, it's finished, but I'm, but there's still half the painting not done, and so uh, just because I might have had to go to a meeting or something. But um, there's a lot of, uh, and again, that's just in my flesh. I'm lazy, uh, don't want to stick to it, or but a lot of it's just that it's fleeting. That that moment's gone, and. Uh, it's hard to, you know, just we all know it's hard to sustain uh, those high moments, I guess you'd say, and we fall back into our natural inclinations. Um, There's not much silence when you're painting, like in your mind, and you have a picture of you, and it's a lot of emotion. You're doing this a lot, and there's not much sort of is contemplation the wrong word? Well, there, I mean, I do. Um, 
there is a lot of inwardly digesting, I guess you'd say, whether it's a sermon or scripture or whatever. Sometimes I go right to it, uh, like that first painting. It was kind of like I just marched home, got the canvas, did it, and you know, just kind of. Maybe a fourth of them I do, uh, more for composition. Like this big one, I was just trying to make sure I could fit everybody on the canvas or compose it, I guess you'd say. But uh, that is my sketch, I guess you'd say. Uh, if I, you know, I guess hopefully someday I'll become more disciplined and. and well. Uh, not always, as I, I mentioned last week after our last Christmas, people coming over saw more and more of this and my ego pride and, or I've got to, you know, I've really got to get good at this. Sure, it's okay, but if people are going to actually see these, I've got to work on it. And I immediately went into kind of painter's block where, you know, I was stifling myself. And this uh, crucifixion, the darker one on the right, was where I, and just out of frustration, I just grabbed some black paint and some, started smearing paint. And kind of the Rorschach method, I started again seeing a crucified Christ uh, in that because I was, in a sense, being killed. I, you know, I was my own pride, the pride of the wor my worldliness was uh, handcuffing me and stifling me because I wanted to be better, I guess you'd say. and. And that uh, is, uh, well, I guess, on the back here, uh, on the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land. And so I guess I was kind of in a dark period where uh, I couldn't see what I was doing. And, but uh, part out of, partly out of my flesh and partly out of being guided, I was... Uh, you know, within 30 minutes, I was kind of back on track, and it was sure I was painting, but uh, he was helping me, you know, un unchain myself, I guess you'd say. Uh, sadly, the transfiguration I forgot, uh, so you'll just have to come over to my house and see it. Um, but uh, this is, again, I like Salvador Dali, so this is just a copy of his uh, crucifixion that hangs in St. John's of the Cross in Scotland. And uh, I was mentioning to Gill, this is rain marks that got on it, and I thought, well, that's just great. That makes it better. Uh, but at any rate, uh, that's just, again, my attempts to learn how to paint and uh, you know, copy a master, I guess you'd say. Um, this uh, one to the left over here is another crucifixion. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And for some reason, that just, uh, that Alpha and Omega. Can you pull that out? Yeah, you can't hurt it. I guess bring it. Uh, you know, again, more abstract. Uh, the uh, Alpha and the Omega idea, just to, for some reason to me, is uh, 
it's the whole spectrum of everything. But I don't know why. I just it, it feels almost uh, machine-like. Uh, but at any rate, that's uh, another crucifix. Um, Is that the Virgin Mary behind it? No, uh, it's uh, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, it's just a crucifix. In uh, um, I don't I don't have. Uh, much to say more. Uh, this one is uh, another crucifix. Yeah, sure. Uh, um, this, uh, you know, when people, people, I don't know, uh, when I was going to Israel last year, oh, Grace, you're going to have all kinds of new ideas for painting. Well, I, I, in a sense, I, I didn't. They're maybe starting to bubble up now, almost six or eight months later. But this is one I did when I immediately came back, and you can kind of see the the temple there. Uh, but this is uh, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. And uh, but uh, so it's. You know, a lot of conceptualism there that, uh, but uh, it's almost finished. <laughs> um, and then this uh, crucifixion behind uh, was after one of uh, Frank's classes. Uh, truly, this is, should be truly, this is the Son of God. And again, uh, that's just. Uh, I guess trying to get a more representational uh, scene of the crucifixion with the centurion exclaiming, truly, this is the Son of God, and there with uh, Mary and John. Um, you know. Contrast this one with the... Well, uh, a lot of people have, uh, I guess, critiqued Dolly for no blood in the... Uh, and there no nails? There are no nails. Yeah. And in his painting, and uh, so I guess that's legitimate criticism. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, you know, I guess the cross is offensive, and I guess in in a sense, I wanted this to be uh, jarring and offensive uh, to just our visual intake, and and uh, it's just like you know Gibson's passion that that you know there's just people would say, oh, there's just there's too much of that. And I'm thinking, <laughs> no, there's not enough to go around. That, that, uh, but that idea of the blood cleansing us and uh, he dying in our place on the cross, uh, you know, I think Gibson did uh, get the, to, to me, hammered home the idea that uh, I should be there and, yeah. and that uh, that point where he had been beaten to the ground but he gets up again because he's got to cover the other half of us and That's takes right. takes another uh, more horrible beating but uh, that's just from uh, one of Frank's classes uh, in the empty tomb uh, pull that away yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, this, I guess you'd say, would be more in, quote, my style. I like the, the clean, almost no background, just the image itself. 
uh, I've done several paintings with just leaving the canvas unpainted and just the, the image itself and I, I kind of like that clean but there, as I said last week the ribbons are uh, reflective of the light there's points in our lives where we're reflecting the light but then the undulation into darkness that we just like the tribes of Israel uh, every 15-20 years they were getting as far away from God as they could but then we uh, cry out in uh, desperation and uh, he would uh, shine on them but again that uh, uh, you know I guess this one is uh, well oh, this is Jesus the king of the Jews again Pilate's uh, plaque at the top which was an affront to the Jews but speaks the truth uh, though he knew it not uh, and then uh, empty tomb. Again, just after a, a class or a sermon last uh, about this time last year, the, you know, the idea of the empty tomb uh, is what we all uh, cling to, that he did uh, rise from the grave, and uh, but still that image of the crosses in the background is uh, ever in our minds that... Uh, that he died for us and he rose for us that we might also rise. Right, because we are. I mean, clearly scripture says, you know, they went in and found it, but I like, you know, that's kind of the what I was trying to think that we're in the tomb too, but that we will, at the second coming, we will be r risen as well. Um, David, pull this together because almost time. time. Um, to borrow a phrase, we have a class that we're on a journey. And so there's a sense tying that to the idea of identity. Bonhoeffer, the taxes his book was a part of, that the who am I, the identity, tying into the baptism of Christ, this, this, uh, this I once was, but now I am moment of baptism, with that fluidity that I am becoming pilgrim on a journey. This is kind of a testimony in some ways, sort of an in vivo, an incarnated testimony. Would that be a fair way of saying it about, about the Holy Spirit, the Lord's work in your life, and this is being drawn out in pain? I mean, I believe it, it is. I, it I, uh, um, <coughs> I, I guess, as I mentioned earlier, that submission to the Word. Uh, I read Paul Zoll's new book, PZ's Panopticon, which uh, is part of it is dying to self and giving up to self and uh, you know it's impossible for us to do I clearly admit that as I say I'll no sooner leave here and I'll be cussing at somebody on 280 but that idea that God is with us and uh, that I'm encouraged that he forgives me every time I'm out on 280 or you know, yelling at the kids, my wife, or whatever I do that's uh, falling away from the light. But uh, I'm just so encouraged that he is faithful and that uh, um, while I uh, ask for forgiveness daily, I'm encouraged that he does forgive daily or that he is forgiven in a sense once and for all. But we are clearly called to... Uh, confess our sins. This last one, uh, Pentecost, 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I, um, right here. I'm sorry. And uh, again, that's just the uh, day of Pentecost, which uh, is the point at which we're all. Um, you know, Jesus promised that He'd send the Holy Spirit. His promises are kept, and now the responsibility in a sense in our flesh is to go out and proclaim uh, Christ crucified dead and risen and uh, by the Holy Spirit we're able in his power and his strength uh, to be bold enough to stand before you today and and proclaim Jesus Christ Uh, that's uh, I guess you'd say my calling and uh, while I feel uh, unworthy uh, he makes me worthy and while I feel uh, weak he makes me strong and finally uh, the painting Gil mentioned I, uh, because of Gil's generosity to uh, ask me to do this class which uh, was encouragement to me I'm, a, I'm, I'm giving this painting to Gil as a Christmas present but that's uh, this is Omphaloskepsis uh, his class was, I guess you'd say, in Latin, in curvature or yeah, in curvatus. And, and uh, that's the turning in on ourselves. That's the turning our back on our Savior and, and in our flesh thinking we can, we can do it or we can solve it. But that inevitably turns to almost a self-destructive uh, uh, mindset where uh, the things of this world deceive the devil whispering in our ear and we just turn inward, inward, inward on ourselves uh, to where we're not loving our neighbor as we should. We're, in a sense, loving ourselves, which is uh, the, the road to death. And that is, again, just trying to capture that turning in on ourselves, the the, the pinky flesh is coming, I guess you'd say, apart in a sense as it turns on itself, but very abstract. But uh, I did another one uh, similar to it because I guess the class was also on narcissism and how we, again, love ourselves and uh, are always uh, not necessarily looking in the mirror per se, but that's our minds are always dwelling on ourselves and... Uh, how that blocks out, hardens our heart, makes us stiff neck so that uh, God and the Spirit uh, turn away from us. Uh, but anyway, Merry yeah. Christmas. Thank, Thank you all for coming. Uh, Will you pray for us? And I, would it be okay to invite people to stay? And oh, sure. Come up afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this time. We give thanks for your word that... Uh, is a light unto our feet that we might know you and walk in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.